Welcome to C3 Church Tabra. You're about to hear a message from our senior pastor, Phil Oldfield. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. got a such a great message but uh, man we just needed to worship I felt we needed to get that breakthrough we asked for an extra song and um, and if that happens we just got to move over change the program and um, so I'm I'm just right now changing my message Uh, and the message is about faith and we've had the message about uh, grace which was right before Easter and then Easter came and wow we had a great time with Easter but now I just want to get some uh, sort of continuity of uh, what we're talking about. I'm a bit of a builder. I like to build. Uh, you're probably guessing that, guys, Daryl and Jenny. You realize that we like to not just hit and miss, but we like to build into people's lives. So I'm very, uh, I'm very passionate to do that, to, to, to want to do that. So I, I want to just give a little debrief of the grace uh, message and what that was about and then we're going to launch into the faith message and that will be for a number of weeks and I hope that that message brings us up to vision builders which again is asking people again to recommit to the house financially and uh, and, and we're going to, I sense Garth that we're in a good place man you know, um, you know this Jordan guy, you, you know stand up Jordan, I don't know what it is about you but you are a resource from heaven, I just know you are and um, yeah, I know you play keyboards, you're at the, the, the Dream Center. Have you been to the Dream Center, guys, uh, Darren, Jenny, and huge church? That's, I think it's Brad, is it? Now help me, Gilchrist. Adam Gilchrist's brother. And so who's the brother's name? Who's the senior pastor? Rod. Rod Gilchrist. That's uh, Rod Gilchrist. Awesome story about that church. And uh, let's give it up for Jordan. Make him welcome. God bless you, buddy. The messages are called audacious faith. Say audacious. <laughs> audacious. So Steve Fertick, who we sat under at the President's Conference, has a lot to do with this message. And can I just say that some of this language that I'll use is his language. He's a 31-year-old guy, and uh, he started the church seven years ago. He had audacious faith to start a church. He, he had a dream, a vision, standing in this huge auditorium where you 2 played this one night, he was there and he said to his mate, as he was watching Bono and, and the music, he said, we're going to do church. Bono, is it? We're going to do church, sorry. We're going to do, sorry, I come from the Sonny and Cher Bono day, sorry, I'm getting confused. Um, and so he sat in this, I don't know, 20,000 stadium and he said, you know what? This is going to be filled with church one day. We're going to do church in this place. And guess what? That eventually happened. And uh, he has a church now of about 15,000 people. And uh, he's 31 years of age. He has audacious faith. So some of this message comes. Outstanding communicator, down-to-earth guy. He says, I don't have the privilege to stand up and say, um, I come from five generations of preachers. I actually come from five generations of alcoholism and uh, suicide. And But as of today, that curse is broken off my family. And I am a man of God, I am a man of God, and I am going to do the God vision for my life. 
And, uh, and I love that. And he was really, really good. So Romans 5.17, for by the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one man. This is a little bit about what Easter was. Absolutely what Easter is about. Romans 5.17. And just a, a recap of the grace message. Romans 5.17 says, For if by the trespass of one man death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive... So it's not about earning, it's just about receiving. What? Receiving God's abundant provision of grace. Say grace. Grace. And of the gift of righteousness. Reign. Say reign. reign. In life. That means that you're dealing with all your circumstance, your problems, all your generational curses that are trying to, you know, track you down and, and inflict you from what the generation suffered from. No, through the Christ, through Christ and the blood, that is cut off. You are a new creation in Christ. Amen. And you should be reigning in life. And when you're reigning in life through the one man, Christ Jesus, you can believe for a God vision. Now, it's a vision that's way bigger than what you can even pull off and what you can do. It's way beyond your resource. It's way beyond your capacity. It's way beyond your skill. It's way beyond what you can do in the natural. There, that's powerful right there. So this next part of the message will... Okay, so understand this. This. We talked about the secret of reigning in life, lies we're receiving, everything that Jesus has accomplished on the cross. We said that, didn't we? We talked about it's finished, it's all done. Every, every part of your victory, every part of your great life and prospering life, it's already been done at the cross. Who believes that? Who believes in Easter? Who believes that Christ died for all the sin, all the curse, all the drama? You know, he, he's paid for that. We just got to appropriate him. And of course, this is a great statement. When you see Jesus in his grace, he then sees you in your faith. I love that. I love that. When you see Jesus, who is grace and righteousness, grace and truth, the Bible says, in 1 John, John, the Gospel of John, 1.17, he is grace and truth. When you see Jesus in grace and truth, It's then when he sees you in faith. If you can't see him high and risen, sitting at the right hand of the Father, victorious, conquering king, coming back one day to set the record straight and introduce the kingdom in a big way. If you can't see that, you've got a small God. You've got got an abbreviated version of who God is. And that's not great. That's not going to help you with your God vision. Amen? Who wants God vision? Who's had God vision and suffered post-traumatic faith stress? Who's had vision where, yeah, I've got to do this and suffered some sort of post-traumatic faith stress in their life? That's what Steve Furtick calls it anyway. You like that? We used to believe for healing. We used to lay hands on the sick and... Now we don't. We just pray nicely, quietly, conveniently. In our time. (laughs) Um, We used to believe in giving. We used to give and believe that, you know, God was going to bless us, you know, and and that didn't happen. We stopped giving. We used to believe for coming to church and, and, you know, we would come to church. Hail, rain, and when this place flooded and every road, man, there was still, still, uh, how many people here, Frank? 
there were still 15 people that found their way here, you know. <laughs> you know, come on, we're going to church. We don't care. Some people get the tallyo paper up. There. Oh, no, we're not going to church today. <laughs> you know, I'm just having some fun. So by virtue of Jesus, all God's blessings and his miracle working power are already yours when you believe in his son. I love that statement. Write this down. Have you got your notepads? Jot it down. This is So Galatians 3, 5. I did say miracle. I said, if you see Jesus, then I said the word miracle. If you see Jesus, then you can believe in a miracle working vision. A, a vision that relies on miracles and supernatural intervention of God you know they say that we're insulting God if we don't have a vision if it relies entirely on us amen if we have a vision that we go oh my god what have we done we said we're going to purchase 11 acres of property we're going to build a thousand seat auditorium we're only 30 people in this church uh is that a good thing to do uh, uh you know but in revival you do that sort of thinking you do that sort of envisioning I certainly, I'll be honest, I certainly would not have been a part of the the envisioning of this church to do what we've done and for you people to be sitting here right now in this church in normal times. I just would not have. We would be in a rented building. We would be in a factory somewhere, in Tugra, wherever. You know, or the school hall. This is all about being caught up in a move of God and being empowered to the point where we got ridiculous, we got scary ridiculous, and we, and we got ourselves outside the box, which is uncomfortable for some people. And we started to broad stroke and, and, and sort of believe for God to do amazing things through us. I mean, it's crazy stuff. People, you know, never have the privilege. I thank God we did have privilege to believe in ridiculously, uh, can, I, can I call it this, audacious faith. Audacious faith. Say that. Audacious faith. So Galatians 3.5 says, So then does he who provides you with the Spirit and works miracles among you. Do it by the works of the law. Do we do it by the works of the law? No. Or by hearing with faith. It's all about faith, my friend. It's all about faith. I love the story of the centurion. It's a centurion who runs into Jesus. His servant is sick uh, and he needs a miracle. He, it goes like this, Matthew 8.10, when Jesus heard this, he was astonished and said to, said to those who were following him after this happened, the centurion says, Jesus, I see you. And I thought about this yesterday. How did he see him? Everyone else saw him. No, I believe this man had uh, a Matthew chapter 5, the pure of heart will see God. I believe he saw Jesus, and I believe he saw his authority, and I believe he said, it'd be almost like running into the Prime Minister and saying, I've got some problems with my tax, I've got some problems with the Social Security, and the Prime Minister said to you, uh, you know, didn't even say to you, just said, well, and you said to that Prime Minister, you said, I've got some problems, and I need them dealt with. And, and the Prime Minister said, well, well, we'll go to the local branch, we'll go to the local ATO. And, and you said, no, hang on, you don't need to even go there. You just say the word and it will be dealt with, I'm sure. Amen? It will be de- dealt with. 
because you recognize the authority in the prime minister. Is that right? Do you honestly imagine the prime minister to turn up to Wyong Social Security office or the, or the ADO office and say, look, my friend, he's got a problem. Phil, I'll feel, can we? No, he's just going to ring. He's going to sort it. It's going to be done. So this centurion, he was a man under authority and he knew the authority in Jesus. Amen. He could see the authority in Jesus. He said, Jesus, please don't trouble yourself coming to my house. Actually, you know, the dishes are not being cleaned and house needs a vacuum. And look, please don't even come there. But if you just say it, if you just say it, he'll be healed. I believe that. I understand the authority that you are walking. I see it. And I believe there was people around him, that, that around Jesus, that couldn't see Jesus and his authority. Do you believe that? Do you actually believe that there were people who saw Jesus? I mean, why did they crucify him? Crucify him, crucify him. You wouldn't do that to an innocent man and a man who was majestic in this stately kingship. I mean, you wouldn't. They must have saw him in the natural. They must have saw Jesus in the natural and said, who does he think he is? Kill him, crucify him, get him out of here. Heresy, get him out. And there were people like the centurion and said, oh my God, you just say, you just say it. You just say it, Jesus. You just say it and it's, and it's done. I, I think that's a major part of the faith. I think if we can believe the Bible, if we can believe the word of God and what God has said through this Bible, if we can believe that Jesus is the personification of the word of God in the beginning was the word and the word was flesh and the word. If you believe that, if you believe, if you stare at that Bible and say, that word is true. Right. Otherwise, the, the, the words wouldn't be in that Bible. God is so sovereign that he has created this volume of his word, sanctioned, ordained. It's absolutely true. This Bible stands irrefutable, irreputable, right. absolutely majestic, powerful, living, awesome. If we take this word as Jesus... If we take that as the word of God and if we apply that to our situations, apply that to our circumstance, apply that. If you look at that with the eyes, a pure heart, like that centurion looked at Jesus. If you look at this word, because this is Jesus right here, right now. If you look at that and take it for its word and say, God, thank you. I'm going to take that word. I'm going to apply it to that situation. I believe that's faith right there. That's faith right there. Check this prayer out. Close your eyes. See if you can handle this prayer. Uh, Let me just, you don't have to recite it, but I'll just quote it. By God's grace, no matter what it costs me, I'm going to live my audacious faith. I'm going to believe God for the impossible to accomplish by and for him what I cannot accomplish on my own. No matter what people think about my vision for my life, I'm going to take God at his word. I'm going to trust him with my whole heart and follow him step by step, even even when my surrender requires sacrifice. Even if it seems like he's taking me over the edge, I will trust that he will be there to catch me if I fall. I will trust that he is good and that somehow, someday, He will work all things in my life together for my good and His glory. That's a powerful prayer. That's an awesome prayer.
It's a prayer that is depending on God absolutely 100% in, I guess, their life, for their life to be lived out, to do something consequential. I believe each one of us can do something wonderful for God, something amazing for God. Even by being connected to a local church and believing in its vision takes a faith stance. Some people have a crisis of faith. Okay, here it is. Ah, my message is gone now. I'm not going to be able to preach much of that because I'll get it out. Don't worry. One day I'll get it out. Uh, I'm not going to spoil it by running through it because I I know what I'll do. I'll try and crunch it and, and it'll spoil it. So I'll go by the Holy Ghost. I needed that worship. Was that cool this morning? I needed, I asked for that extra worship. I needed to get there. I needed to go there. I needed to stand in it. And that's ultimately what we all need. Some people, when they come uh, into the, into God, to, you know, when they get connected with God, they get saved. Um, ultimately, for me, that's not the full deal. I mean, ultimately, it is a conversion. Some people get released like Moses leading the people through the Red Sea. They want to be released from Egypt. They don't want to go to hell. They don't want to be under a taskmaster called Satan. Amen? I mean, you can figure this stuff out, sort of. Even in one church service, you go, my God, the devil's bad. God is good. Uh, I vote God. I vote, how do you do that? I give my life to the Lord. They commit their hearts to the Lord. But that's not the full deal. And the full deal is not just coming out of Egypt through the Red Sea, following Moses, following Jesus, and then ending up out here somewhere. The full deal, I believe, is that when you go through the Jordan and follow Joshua. Joshua, and so they in this place between being released from Egypt, coming through the Red Sea and wandering and wandering, they'd spied out the land. Uh, Joshua and Caleb spied out the land. And they thought it was... Great. They thought it could be achieved. It was a good land. Uh, You know the story. It was a good land. Josh and Caleb said, this is a good land, but there's a few things in between us and the good land, meaning your life and the vision that God wants for your life. There's a few things in between that. There's walled up cities and there's some giants. And some people go, oh, and most of the people did. The Israelites did, didn't they? They went, no. Yeah, the eight spies came back and said, man, man, it, it, it's awesome, man. Pomegranates, milk and honey, awesome. But man, there's these big beds. They're about nine foot long. We found some big beds. So there's giants there. And, 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 and also, you know, the, 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 there's, there's, there's walled up cities and they're fighting men. And we're not fighting. We're just a ragtag bunch of, uh, you know, yeah, we like grasshoppers, but we're just migrants leading, living from hand to mouth, you know, just, just, living in the wilderness, trying to find something to, you know, not even owning anything. You know, this is what got me in starting this church. I didn't want to be a renter. I wanted to possess the land. And God said, I'm going to give you audacious faith, ridiculous faith. Are you going to trust me for this? Because I don't want you to wander around through the factory, industrial areas, through the school halls. I don't want C3 Tugger to do that. I want you to possess the land. But God gave us audacious faith to believe that. And he gave us audacious believers to do that. Amen. And that's how we're here right now. See, it's so easy to lose that, you know, pioneering, 
you know, chopping the trees down, carting the river up from the river and making a way to build a, build a community, to build a place for people to, to live and do life. People, you know, the next generation lose that and they just think, ah, oh, man, you know, this is great living in this beautiful house. You know, we're, you know, whatever. And, you know, they don't even help in the house. They don't want to pay rent. They don't want to do anything. They just think this is, this is, I'm, I'm entitled to this. I'm entitled to come to church and be in a nice building and listen to great worship and, and be blessed and blessed and blessed. I'm entitled to that. You're not entitled to it. Paid a great price. Pioneers. There's many of them in this church. If you didn't do it here, you did it in another church. You made a way by audacious faith for God to do what he needed to do through the good land. And we do that individually. We do that personally. We take our life and we take it through the Red Sea. We get saved and then we do some wilderness. Of course we do. We all do. But there's got to come a time where we get converted and follow Joshua. And Joshua said, you know what? These are some big shoes to fill. You know, Moses, man, he was a big guy, man. He was awesome. But, you know, he just, he just came alive in the moment. He, and, and man, he just said, well, I've got, I've got, I've got a plan, man. We're going through the Jordan. It's unpassable, but we're going through. And the water stopped. The water stopped. And they went, the water stopped back at a city called Adam. That's where all the curses started. At Adam. All the curses that separated them, separated them from the promised land. The water, the Jordan stopped. Hey, how you doing, buddy? The water stopped. Is God amazing how he does that? Why couldn't he stop at any, any other city? He stops it at the city Adam. That's where all the curses started. The curses that flowed through our society, our land, our community. God said, that's stopping you from reaching the promised land. I'm going to stop that river. I'm going to stop that river. And get to where I'm going to stop it. I wonder where I could stop it. Yeah, I'm going to stop it at Adam because that's where all this rot set in. This is where it all began, right there. So the river stops there and they walk through the Jordan. And they enter the promised land. And it's good. They're doing all right. But then there's a crisis to finish up my message because my time's gone. This is the audacious faith of Joshua. Let's check this out. Let me take you to a couple of scriptures and a scripture and a story for Steve Furtick that changed his whole life. And um, he, by the way, says... He says, audacity in his dictionary, he says, it makes regular people behave with boldness or daring, especially with confident disregard for personal comfort or conventional thought. Does that sound, does that ring a bell, Jules? Yes. (laughs) He says, um, he says, he's talking about faith and he says, we hope it's enough. He says, this is the faith that people end up having left with, you know, after they suffer post-traumatic faith disorder, he calls it. He says, it's faith that says, look, I'll go to heaven when I die. But in the meantime, I, b- I have barely enough to get by in praying, giving, or even coming to church. And he says this, he, he wants to ask us this. Does our brand of faith you live by produce the kind of results in your life that you read about in the biblical stories of men and women of God? Chances are not even close, he says. He calls this, he calls this thing post-traumatic faith disorder when people believed. They believed in miracles. They believed in giving. They believed in God, the supernatural God who can intervene upon your family, your children, your wife, your society, your city, your nation. 
we were ridiculous enough to even believe for this nation. We would pray for our nation every service, every, 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 every service. We would pray for the nation. It was ridiculous. I'm not sure I've even, I've got faith to pray for the nation anymore. I'm just trying to pray for this church and this community and the, and the coast. So your faith gets whittled down by post-traumatic faith disorder. <laughs> Do you like that? And you whittle it down to an abbreviated version. And you actually trade this scripture in for another version of this scripture. You trade this scripture, Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. I'm talking from Galatians 2.20. I've been crucified with Christ, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Do you love that? And when you see God, Okay, I'll back it up just a touch. When you see God like this, he says every man shaking the planet for good fundamentally has only a couple of good revelations about God because ultimately we can't have a full-blown revelation of absolutely who God was. I mean, Jesus did and God knows himself, but not many people understand the great mysteries of God. Don't even try, my friend. You can buy a systematic theology book and give it a go like I am, but really I'm just feeling like I just got saved yesterday because I, I read another portion of it yesterday. I went, oh my God. You know what I mean? But he says this, if we fundamentally, and I know Andrew Flaxman, you're going to love this scripture. You're going to love this, buddy. And I'm, I'm going to allude to the scripture. Get ready, Tim. It's the scripture of Psalm 62 verse 11. I'll give him a chance because I've been chopping and changing here. When you understand this, what the psalmist is talking about through this scripture, you will, you will then have the boldness to believe in radical faith for yourself. I love the faith of Craig. He comes into our board meeting. I've got the best board at the moment. They're just ridiculously faith-filled and they're encouraging. And, um, and I've always had good boards, but this board is right now for the occasion. And I love the faith of Andrew, Craig, Frank, Julie, all the key guys. And Mark Delacosta, where is he? He's not here. But I know these guys are basically not theologians. They don't have this, <gasps> you know, they, I, I don't believe any of them had a personal encounter with Jesus like the centurion actually looked in his face and said, man, you've got authority and you're good. I'm going to believe in you for the rest of the days. These guys are just understand these two basic things. If you understand these two basic things, it's this. All right, here it is. Psalm 62 verse 11. One thing God has spoken. Two things have I heard. That you, O God, are strong. If you only believe that he is strong and great, Andrew would say that he's big. Andrew likes to emphasize that in a lot of his message, that God is great. God is big. God is in control. Who said that? Someone this morning. I'll say it again. One thing God has spoken Two things have I heard, that you, O God, are strong. Psalm 62, verse 12, and that you, O Lord, are loving. That he is a loving God. What? He's a good God. If you had your eyes open to that fact, man, you would stand in ridiculous, audacious faith for vision, for your church, for your life, your family, that you, O oh Lord, are loving. Surely you will reward each person 
according to what he has done. You allow that to create a solid foundation for your life. That he is good, that he's great. Yeah, that, that's, that feels good. That he is loving, that he's good. That's good foundation, guys. All this other stuff is great, but stand your life on that and look out on the horizon of your life and say, my God. See, it's all about you in some ways. I know that statement. Hang on. It's not all about it. But hang on. It's all about you. It's all about your faith. But then it's not about you. It's about him. It's all about him and his will. His purpose, His desire for your life. And everyone's in this cruncher of their desires, their, their anguish of their heart, their vision of their heart. The, the, every, young people, everyone, one of us, we're in the perplexity of wanting to do so much more than what we're able to do in our natural self. Jesus said to Bartimaeus, what do you want God to do? What do you want God to do in your life to fulfill the vision in your life? To fulfill the ability to come to church, own the vision of the church, stand with us in ridiculous, audacious faith and push out this vision of saving souls, reconciling humanity from from sickness, curses, depression, darkness, you, you need faith, my friend. It's all done. The grace is there, smiling at you. And God said to me on my bush walk, my prayer walk, He gave me this, and as I'm thinking about the message, wrapping it up, I saw people like on this um, training bike, and I saw the training wheels on the bike, and, and I could see the people of God going from one side to the the other side they go trust in my money trust in my career trust in my friend trust in my house trust in my you could even trust in your in your parents too much (laughs) you could even trust in in someone famous And, and you were just going back and forward like that but you were a Christian you were actually riding But each time you went to balance, you'd fall off to one side. And then you'd pedal again, you'd fall off to the other side. And God said, God wants to take off the training wheels. And He wants you to rely on Him by finding your... What is it? The the gravity, the, the center of gravity. Finding the center of gravity in your life where you're balanced between grace and faith... And where you are appropriating God supernaturally and you are depending on your good choices and on your vision of seeing God, who He really is, great and loving, that in itself will give you faith to begin to ride, to walk out and live out your life without the training wheels The things of this world that prop you up, stop you from falling down, those things have got to go and you've got to begin to ride out your life, live out your life, walk out your life 
And isn't it the most beautiful thing when you begin, who can remember that when you first began to ride a bike? You look at your dad. Woo! Look at me. Dad, dad, put it Get away, get away. I'm doing it. Because you are focusing with faith, bringing your body under submission bringing your life under submission and you are determining I'm going to stand I'm going to ride this thing I'm going to live this life I need audacious faith man I love that and the kids and it happens to new believers look at me I'm born again wow yeah but sometimes that can wear off after a while and then God says after you find yourself at the Jordan you realize you got to go and die to yourself come up into the promised land and begin to live let's all stand God bless you thank you father see there's a conversion there's getting saved is one thing but being converted to trust God to honor God lean not on your own understanding that's a different thing that's an absolute different thing so Joshua had a vision for the people that possessed the land. And he had a situation. The Amalekites were surrounding him. And God had already promised him. You're going to overcome all the enemy. And he marched through the night. And God spoke to him and said that. Joshua and his mighty men. They were marching through the night. And God pulled him up and said, Joshua, I'm going to give you the land. I'm going to take out all your enemies. And that began to happen. As they turned up in the morning and smite their enemy. But the day was starting to fall into darkness. And then as they began to run away, God sent fireballs to, to kill the enemy. But then Joshua realized they're going to get away. But, but God said, God said, we're going to absolutely vanquish our enemy. And then Joshua, with audacious faith, prayed this. Lord, Lord, just like we did last year with the banks. Lord, prevent the banks from taking this property. But Joshua said, Lord, prevent the sun going down. Prevent the sun going down so that we might smite our enemies. And for the first time in the history of this planet, the sun did not go down. The sun didn't go down for a whole night. The sun stood still in the solar system while Joshua smited his enemies. Can you believe this? Can you believe what God's doing? But his word's true. He said Joshua would smite all his enemies. I wonder if we could believe in the same radical faith as that. I wonder if we have that same audacious belief to believe in this church. To believe that we can smite the enemy of every difficulty. enjoyed listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3tugra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon.